City winner tennis, yeah! Here we are. Yeah, Ryan, we go. Ivan Ross, back for podcast number three. I number believe. three. Uh, Ivan, the last time we spoke, you had not played any matches. Correct. Today we're speaking, you've played two matches. Tell us your tales from the court, sir. I've, I've played three. Three matches. <laughs> more tales from more courts. Uh, well, let's see. Where to begin? Uh, my very first match was against Sam Berger. And, well, you know, we start where we start uh, with the spin of the racket. Uh, it's actually interesting because Sam always prefers to receive, you see. So when I won the racket spin, I chose to receive, hoping that Sam would just casually say, okay, I'll stay on this side. Uh, I was hoping that. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm loudly chewing blueberries because I think that will be more interesting to you than this tedious recount. Of I was really, really hoping that Sam would just casually stay on the same side because the sun was really bad on that side. And I did not want to have to start serving into that. But come to find out, oh boy, Sam was savvy enough to switch sides. So I had to start serving into the sun. And folks, this is me interrupting it. Um, this is hours later. I'm by myself editing this file. Ivan went on for three and a half hours uh, in great detail. Um, I didn't want to interrupt him. It felt rude, but I also don't think you necessarily want to listen. So if you see Ivan in person, just tell him you listened to the whole story. You loved it. Uh, and for now, we're going to skip ahead uh, to the end of his third match uh, against Aaron Kirschenfeld. Uh, yeah, so then, you know, the second serve uh, went in on what was the fifth match point, and he returned it, and I just uh, skipped a forehand just underneath his uh, outstretched uh, arms, ready to hit a backhand that never came. And, um, yeah, we approached the net, and it was, I mean, it was a nice handshake. Um, uh, I thought Aaron and I had a nice handshake, a nice match, and, yeah, so I'm 3-0. I'm and Oh, well, that was fascinating. Uh, Ivan, thank you. I'm sure the, the people are going to love that. Um, well, getting beyond your matches, since we're still recording, um, my child's in bed. Um, my wife has left me, um, which is understandable. All right, so I don't know. What do we want to talk about, Ivan? Um, I would say maybe we start with the one match that was not covered in the Monday email. Uh, yeah, it was uh, described in the email summation as a barn burner, all capitalization. Mm. And um, who, who was that match between? That was between former champions Christopher Jakes and Michael Hieronymus. Very good. First set went to... Michael take a guess. Hieronymus. Yep. Everyone out there was wrong. It went to Michael 2-6. It did. And then Chris Jakes <laughs> struck back 6-3. But here's the thing that really gets us going was the tie break. They did not quite get to 2018, the Bull City Winter Tennis record set by Shane Ryan in a defeat of Michael... Kendall. Kendall, thank you. Lives in Norway now and absolutely has like a beautiful life. Follow him on Facebook if you don't. Um, but this one got close. 
Yeah. Um, they didn't send a very long recap, which was a little bit of a disappointment because we've been getting long recaps and I love them. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, one wonders whether Michael had uh, match points in that third set uh, uh, breaker. Uh, one wonders how many match points uh, Michael himself uh, saved, how many second chances. I mean, yeah, a fascinating match. And that following up on uh, last Sunday, uh, which would have been what, November 3rd or something, uh, which was, I, I don't know, close tie break central. I mean, that was. Uh, uh, that, was, that was the day full of 10-8 and 12-10, yeah. uh, 11-9, I think. Yeah. There's something in the water this year. This is probably, if we're looking at like a set of five days, the best five-day stretch in Bull City history. I think so. Just in terms of pure drama. Just a thought that I had, Shane. Um, mm-hmm. What's the likelihood that we are being gaslit and no one's actually playing these matches and <laughs> they're just making it seem as though the season is the most interesting possible? What if you and I don't exist, <laughs> and this is all just in one of our imaginations? Yeah, um, that could be true. I would honestly have to tip my cap. Um, yeah, especially because whoever seen, orchestrated it. Whew. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that would be kudos to them. Hey, speaking of um, shadowy conspiracies, before we get to the other matches, I want to read an email I got, Ivan. Um, are we pretending that you haven't seen this yet? <laughs> sure. This will be news to me. So people who are reading, you're going to think this is something we made up or some bit we're doing. I swear it's not. Um, this email came from an email address at gorillamail.com, which is just a long string of numbers and letters. Um, no meaning to it. Um, it's kind of long, but I think it's fascinating enough that I'm going to read it. Um, so it, it, it just for the benefit of those uh, listeners who may not know what guerrilla mail is, because I, for one, did not until this uh, until you forwarded this email to me. What what purpose does does guerrilla mail serve? I've never used guerrilla mail. What my assumption is is that it's one of those um, ultra secure emails used for sending anonymous kind of notes um, that you don't want anyone to trace by IP address or anything like that. So it probably was like double covered with VPNs or alternate routers or proxies or. Whatever the stuff. appropriate yeah. term is. Um, too bad we don't have some shadowy music, like the old uh, Unsolved Mysteries music here. But if you want to do it, Ivan, while I read, if you want to give me... A- and and <laughs> if you would like to do the Robert Stack voice, host of Unsolved Mysteries, feel yeah. free. Yeah, Mr. Ryan! <laughs> that was really good. Uh, all right. This email, which I received on Tuesday, November Do you remember 5th, when that, when, uh, uh, I, I forget whether that was on CBS or NBC, but it was always paired with Rescue 911? I do rescue nine one one and unsolved mysteries. Mm-hmm. Except my bedtime was eight thirty, so I had to go up and take a shower. <laughs> and uh, from the shower, I could still hear the unsolved mysteries music, and it creeped me out. The so show mad. in general creeped me out. Yeah. Every time there was one where like a woman is being followed home by some weird guy, and it ends with a death. Um, yeah, like, that's gonna be me one day. It's gonna be me. <laughs> I don't know which one I'm gonna be, but oh boy. All right, uh, dear Mister Ryan, says this email. I apologize for the secrecy, but these are dangerous times. Those in power will do anything to keep it. I am writing to you because I have followed your professional career for a few days. Side note, thank you. I appreciate that. A few days. <laughs> and I believe you have the journalistic integrity, absolutely not, and investigative power, absolutely not, to hold corrupt sports officials accountable. I've been an anonymous tipster for over a decade, but I've never had a tip like this before. It's tender and juicy. It needs no steak sauce if you catch my drift. Kindly, I'm sharing this tip with you 
so that you alone may enjoy the fruits, Pulitzer in uh, parentheses, of bringing a scandal of such magnitude to light. Where to begin? M. Scarcliffe is surely rolling over in his grave. BCWTL was built on trust and transparency, but today, league officials are rigging the schedule to their advantage. League officers' lust for fame and glory have led them to forsaken fairness, justice, and transparency. Start by looking closely at each league official and their BCWTL schedule. Start by asking tough questions about the strength of schedule for certain league officials. You will unearth a trove of deviancy and lies. It will not take you long to sniff out league officials who are abusing their power. Just be careful and trust no one. P.S. In the spirit of full disclosure, I have provided similar confidential tips to Matt Hamilton, Paul Pringle, David Barstow, and Bud Collins. So May he rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, to Bud Collins. <laughs> the, those other three people are, I suppose, the first Google results when you search like uh, investigative journalist. I guess so, but Bud Collins is a tennis-specific guy. I've never heard of any of them, and I but, didn't look Bud them Collins up. is tennis-specific. I did look up the other ones, and yeah, they're just, they're like... I think a couple of them are L.A. Times. One is New York Times. I, I oh, got like it. Okay. Just, hey, cool. They broke some stories. Great. I have not seen anything about this come out in those outlets yet. So we still have the exclusive as far as I can tell. Yeah, Washington Times. Uh, so there are a couple questions here. Uh, My first one is when he writes uh, uh, M. Scarcliffe, do you think he is meaning that as Morton Scarcliffe or Monsieur Scarcliffe. Yeah, I think like the M is a European uh, affectation, or not even affectation, just what's what they do instead of Mister. Do you think that I? Do you think he meant to do that to be fancy, or do you think that's a clue as to this person's identity? Well, I mean, it would take ages to sort through all the European players in the league, <laughs> the players of European origin. I'm sure there's many, especially many who have in the past shown the kind of creativity to be able to write this email, <laughs> and who you might guess immediately was the culprit. Uh, certainly don't like to prognosticate, but almost certainly David Bedore. Oh, gotta be. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a French-sounding name if I've ever heard one. Um, before we get to um, trying to unmask the identity, and of course, you know, this is just speculation. We don't want to open ourselves to libel or any kind of legal action. Well, it is. I mean, this this is relevant to today's headlines. It's illegal to out a whistleblower. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and he is, he is a whistleblower, so... Boy, um, yeah, hey, you know what? If we have legal, legal action against us, so be it. But let's, be talk about, let's talk about the um, accusations on their merits, Ivan. I think, obviously, um, there's only two league officials here. Yeah. I'm not playing this year because of a knee injury. So by powers of deduction... <laughs> well, what one could say that your strength of schedule is the easiest in that regard. That's a good point. You don't want to rule anything out until it's totally disproven. But I do think the balance of the evidence points a finger at you. And is accusing you of giving yourself uh, an easy schedule. How do you answer to such accusations? Uh, there is no such thing as an easy schedule in Bull City Winter Tennis League, first of all. Uh, second of all, I have respect for, for my opponents, each and every one of them. That's why I attempted an underhand serve on <laughs> the final match point against Aaron Kirschenfeld, as has previously been stated in uh, official uh, league uh, communiques. And uh, I don't make the schedule. Um, Shane, you made the schedule, or you know, you fed it into some mm -hmm. algorithm on the computer and it made the schedule. Uh, we've openly admitted that the week one matches were, in fact, 
handpicked for uh, mm-hmm. maximum intrigue. But also, uh, you played Sam Berger in week one. That's no, that's no cakewalk. It's no picnic. Um, however, you did have a hand in deciding the divisions. I must point out. I did. I, probably, as I remember. Uh, <laughs> sir, I do. I have no recollection. Uh, <laughs> I like how you immediately went to a, a very southern accent when the the idea of a corrupt <laughs> official is reduced. Um, <laughs> No, you know, I don't uh, I don't know what the hell this email is saying. Um, to me, the divisions are very even. I don't think... Last year, we thought the Lemoyne's divisions might have been a little bit um, weaker than Klusterling, and then you and Lawrence went and won the whole kit and caboodle yeah. from Lemoyne. So, um, well, hey, there, there are... Um, considering the strength of the league from top to bottom, uh, there are any number of players who are in the South uh, conferences... Uh, uh, for whom you can make the argument they belong in the North uh, North Conference. Yeah, but on both sides, I would say. I mean, uh, in both Clusterling like and Lemoyne. Lemoyne and, and Clusterling, yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. we're talking about ease of schedule, you know, like, oh, I should be playing in, in North. Um, I, I, if you'll recall, I mean, I, I basically said I wanted to, but it just didn't work out that way because I'm not as good as I remember you know, you... the other people on the bubble. I remember you saying, I want to hunt for another trophy. <laughs> uh, here's the divisions. You handed me a slip of paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know <laughs> playoffs are the only thing that matter. I just need to get to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're like going to tank your cross match or your whatever they, whatever they, I say. I'm the one who invented <laughs> it. Whatever I called it. What is it called? The crossover matches? Uh, Interleague? No, not the, not the cross divisional. The ones in the playoffs where you go, you're going to have to play like a 4-0. Oh, um. I don't know what those are. Oh, the um, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> King, it's not the King's Ransom. Uh, no, the King's Burden match. King's Burden. Yeah, that's that, one. That's where the first place guy has to play the fourth place guy. Yeah, uh, uh, or fifth place actually. Fifth place. Okay. Um, hold on, I've got the playoffs here. <laughs> it's called the Sorting Round. The Sorting Round. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and those are sorting matches. So okay, so um, yeah, look. I would love to really hold Ivan's feet to the fire, but there just is no merit to these arguments. Um, there's no conspiracy here. The league was made and, fairly. And look, I'm not going to go undefeated this year. If I'm undefeated going into the final match, I'm going to throw it just so the thing I said just now uh, uh, remains true. Your final match is against Michael Porneros, so be easy to throw that one. He's, yeah. he's quite good. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, and if so- I lose... It's because I threw it. Oh, wow. You've given yourself a nice (laughs) accountability stripped. Um, All right. So, yeah, let's talk about potential senders, Ivan. I'm bringing up the list of Bull City Winter Tennis people. Let's go one by one. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Isaacs, I find it unlikely. He's kind of got a sort of like, you know, aggressive style. I don't think he would. This is kind of subterfuge is his his bag. Yeah. if, If he had a problem, he would knock on your door. Uh, he, he he is a school marm though, so he he would have the the verbi- verbiage to be able to sure. oh, he's write got, something. He's like got that. the writing skills for it. Tyler Carroll? Uh he's got more important things to worry about. Yeah, and he's a nice guy. I just don't think it would occur to him to send such a strange email. Uh he, oh here's one. Sebastian Fangler. Do we do we think perhaps he might have I, I I don't. It seems to me like you're suggesting that it 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 probably is Sebastian Fingler. What what evidence might you have? Well, we have the little European hint of M. Fangler instead of Mr. Fang or M. Uh, uh, Scarcliffe. He's German, right? 
Sebastian hails from Germany, yes, from the uh, Bayer region. I'm sorry, Bayern region. Bayern, okay. Um, and yeah, it could be him. Um, he's also clever. He's also funny. I mean, it's it, yeah, yeah. it fits the profile. And he's got like, all you have to do is look at his tennis game to know that he has the sort of tricky mind to concoct such a scheme. Absolutely. And he, uh, uh, he was injured last year, so he didn't play Bull City Winter Tennis League. But he uh, was invested enough in the league to remain on the email list, which suggests a certain um, uh, uh, affinity, know, desperation. <laughs> affinity, sure. My wife just interrupted us. I'll don't worry. I'll have a stern talk with her. When this is over. Um, yeah, I just I think it's probably Sebastian, but. To me, it's funny that we're both pretty certain it is him, but it'd be funny if it wasn't, and he's just listening to this going, what the hell is this? <laughs> Marion Wing is sitting back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, could, it really could have been Marion. That's right up. That's kind of just her personality. Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about the people we've poked fun at before. Like, last year, I had a little bit with Vincent Pereja where he carved his initials into a, a fallen tree at Southern Boundaries mm-hmm. to announce his... Uh, uh, hellish descent on the league okay uh i doubt he read that or remembers it so it probably wasn't him um yeah christian feld's got a mind like that but i think we we both agreed that he would would have thrown in a couple like 16th century legal like very arcane oh for sure and like philosophical too like jean paul sartre would have made a an appearance um yeah i just i really put my power rankings as sebastian number one and you number two (laughs) You having sent it and then doing this bit <laughs> like some kind of like crazy. Really, those are the only two people in the whole league I can see having done it. Uh, the, yeah, the only other. Well, I have two other possibilities. Okay. Uh, one is Sam Berger, uh, just because I I feel like Sam wants to play along with this stuff, but he definitely has more important things to do. Sure. But if he ever had like I don't know a night to himself in the house or something, like maybe he'd. Sam, yeah, Sam has sent like funny emails along those lines before. That's a good trip. Yeah. Uh, my other guess is that it's someone else you know from like some uh, uh, like betting pool or something you do who called, oh, who called wind of Bull, Bull City Winter Tennis League and decided to go all in. Uh, That's my, funny. <laughs> well, let's see. Miles got him. <laughs> Miles definitely could have done it. Uh, let's see. Is there is there anything? Uh. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't. There's nothing that says like there's nothing so specific that you'd have to have been a member. No, no. But but also I do find it unlikely that that's the case. Yeah. Um, however, you never know. So okay. Um, uh, well, one one clue is the person who wrote this email does in fact uh, call the league BCWTL. We can mm. go back and trace other yeah trace the suspects' histories of referring to it either as. Bull City Winter Tennis League, BCWTL, or sometimes BCWT, dropping the L. Yeah. Um, do you want, all right. You know what we should do is a side by side comparison of writing styles between Sebastian's recap that he just sent us of his match against David Bedore and this email. Let's see if there's any words that repeat, and then we'll move on, folks. I swear. Although, really, do you want us to move on? This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a quick break. This true crime pro- podcast is brought to you by Casper Mattresses and also Blue Apron. Yeah, and Stamps.com. Okay, um, this person uses exclamation points. Oops, I didn't want to do that. Okay, hold on. I know, I know, I know. This is great. This is great podcasting. Um, all right, 
he says BCWTL, Sebastian, in his email. Mm-hmm. Um, his writing style is the same. Let's see. Well, is that <laughs> there's a previous email where he um, uh, uh, abbreviates the word including as INCL period, which is a strange. That's uh, interesting. Are there any abbreviations here? I don't see anything here? like that. He does have uh, some all caps usage in the uh, email in question. Yeah. Uh, when he's reporting scores, he uses colons in between the numbers. Yeah, he does have. Uh, he does include here, including as well. He has the including abbreviation in this, not in the. That's the one I was. Oh, okay. To. I thought you said a previous email. Um, let's see. He does. He uses parentheses several times in both emails. Parentheses are big. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It just fits. He does have longer paragraphs in this email than here. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, Sebastian's going to have to answer this one way or another. He's suspect number one. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, uh, uh, we, we invite the, um, the culprit, the whistleblower, to out himself or herself if he or she so desires and appear uh, on the podcast. Yeah, and um, even if you don't want to out yourself, if you have some kind of voice disguising software, make up a fake Skype name. Yeah, we'll use a use a Google phone number or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's a good little mystery. I like it. Um, now we should, you know, do what we're being paid to do, Ivan, which is to talk about some tennis. Um, there were many, many, many good matches. Um, do you have a favorite of all the ones that were summarized in the in the last email? We got Berger DeWalt, we've got Fangler Badur, Isaac's Pick, which is a great one. Newton Cot, Newton Arend, um, Carol Tita Marwanish, and U V Kirschenfeld. Uh, yeah, which uh, several of those involved huge comebacks in the third set? Did all of them? Uh, TJ versus Kyle. Uh, Kyle T- was TJ up. was down three eight. Three eight. Yep. And came back to win eleven nine. Uh, Darren was up. <laughs> 8-4 on Sam in the match breaker. And Sam came back and won the last six. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sebastian was down a set point in the first set, but managed to win. Lost the second. And oh, he was actually up big on, on David, 6-1. But then David tied it up at 7 um, before Sebastian had a couple match points and then finally converted. Wow. So there's some, uh, there's some good stuff to choose from there. I mean, it was, it was drama season. Uh, yeah, that's too hard to pick. Um, and I'll even, I mean, you know, my match against Aaron was, uh, came down to a few points as well, even if it didn't have the glorious tie break, uh, that the others did. Um, yeah, I think Lawrence, uh, <coughs> Lawrence B. Al is probably the, uh, probably the match. Wasn't that the match of the week? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it yeah, lived, sometimes it, it lived up to the hype. The MOTW can go either, you know, can go a couple ways. It can live up to the hype or it can be a big disappointment, but this one was great. Um, yeah, I'll pick almost being Lawrence's big. I want to talk about um, what this means for the North Divisions, um, both this match and Hieronymus versus Jake's. So Jake's squeaks one out against Hieronymus. Maybe we thought it would be, you know, um, a little bit easier for him. But Michael, of course, you can never, as good as he is, he's always going to give you a tough yeah, time. I, I, Michael, uh, talk about strength of schedule and uh, my lack thereof. Uh, Michael had to play against Lawrence Isaacs in week one and, and, and Chris, Chris Jakes in week two. <laughs> yeah, and that's a gauntlet uh, runner. Yeah, so uh, even though he's zero and two, he's not out of it. I don't think anyone who is winless at this point is 
out of it, in fact. No, um, not at all. And then Lawrence and Al Pick, yeah, again, Al, we know he's a good player. You've played against him in matches. I've seen him play. Uh, nearly, nearly, as Lawrence said, he's bloodied but still standing, but nearly takes him down. So all of these guys, it does feel like a very close league uh, in the North with one exception, and that's Parker Sheridan. And I just want to say on record that everyone but Parker in this league is a loser and a freak. And he's the king, and I'm on his side. And Parker, when the Armageddon comes, I'm with you, man. I think he's going to go undefeated, win the league, and uh, we're going to shut it down after that. How do you respond? Uh, does Parker play? Yeah, Parker plays Chris Jakes in week five. Um, That's week five? Yeah. If uh, if the fences are not lined with uh, BCWTL players, uh, past, present, and future, to witness that one, then... Uh, the world has turned on its axes. Which pass player? Axis. You, yeah, which pass player do you think might show up? That, um, that's no longer the league. Uh, Michael Kendall probably fly in from uh, <laughs> Scandinavia. Norway was it? Norway. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Pranish. Pranish can talk. <laughs> Matt, Matt Curry will make the trip down from uh, far side of Chapel Hill. Still on the email list, so he's. I consider him current in some ways. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. And of course the ghost of, uh, the spin doctor himself, uh, M. Lemoyne. And Lemoyne. Anytime you hear the wind blow, Ezekiel will be there. <laughs> it's Ezekiel. I forgot his first name. <laughs> <laughs> How could you? What about, um, Klusling? Do you know his first name? Gerhard. Yep. You got that one. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's the action. Um, let's look at the rest of the matches we have in week three here, Ivan. Um, any of them catching your eye as uh, particularly uh, tasty? Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, well, we got uh, Paul Cox, who has had mixed results going up against Aldrin Hiwakapera, who had a big win in week one against Tyler Carroll, right? Yep. Uh, boy, if Aldrin can win that one, he is in some kind of good shape. Uh, uh, uh a quarter of the way through the season. That, that's one that sticks out to me. What about you, Shane? Yeah, I like um, Lucas Hubbard versus Michael Hieronymus. Uh, Michael, like you said, has had an impossible schedule. Tough doesn't begin to cover it. Um, and Lucas is, uh, yeah, I think he's only played one match so far against Al Pick, which is also tough uh, in its own right. So Lucas versus Michael, that's a big one for both of them in a way of um, both guys will want to kind of get on the board in uh, an extremely tough Clusilling North. Um, yeah, Michael doesn't want to uh, uh, take the route of uh, Francis Tiafo and play <laughs> really, really well against tough competition, but never win. Yeah, yeah. I think also if you look at those guys, there may we may be in a situation where toward the end of the year, one of them finds himself kind of in that king's burden position, uh, yeah. um, and you know, and that they kind of probably well for sure both want to uh, avoid that. Um, because that means a match against Parker or Chris. Uh, yeah, well, likewise, an elimination. I, I, I would hate to be the king in that. In the, in oh, that for sure. For, there's no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, so they'll they'll want to. You know, these divisional these these they're uh, a precious uh, a precious thing, a precious commodity. You only have six of them, and you really just don't want to like lose anything you, you don't have to because one or two losses unexpectedly, and all of a sudden your playoff uh, prospects are looking a little dim. Yeah, so, no, another one in the South Division that that. that uh, I just noticed uh, Darren DeWalt v. Kyle Arend. Kyle yeah. is 0-2. Darren is off to a good start. What style? Uh, so Darren lost a real close one to Sam, but beat Gray in week one. 
Right. So he's one and one, but zero oh and one in division. So zero oh and one in division. Similar situation. I, Kyle knows he needs to kick things into gear. So all of a sudden, Kyle could be one and one in divisional play. Darren zero oh and two, and and uh, uh, the week one interleague match seems to go out the window. That's right. And interestingly, both of them in sort of heartbreaking fashion lost their first divisional matches, both in very, very tight tiebreakers. Right. Yeah. Someone is, uh, yeah, someone, someone's uh, tearful evening will just be prolonged. Yeah. And, and, you know, Stephen Stark waiting on the schedule for both of them. So, yeah, it's an important match there. Um, Jonathan Black and Sean Blazer is one... I find fascinating. Jonathan Black, 2-0. Um, and both matches, you didn't necessarily know if he would win. I mean, he beat TJ Newton in a match breaker. Um, maybe that was a little toss-up-y. Um, beat Michael Porneros, uh in two sets, two very close sets. So he's doing really well. Um, and Blazer, of course, 1-0 with a victory over Kyle. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's another one where it's at the end of the year... Uh, where whatever position they're in, they'll look back on. Yeah, and be if, there, like, if there's any situation where they can both get a loss, that would be great for me. <laughs> they're, they're probably yeah, they can both forfeit. It's possible they could decide to forfeit. Have they, we ever had that? They just, they each independently decides to retire at the exact same time. They send an email so close that Gmail puts them side by side because it, it's impossible to determine which came first. Um, all right, Ivan. I uh, I guess it might be uh, getting close to wrap up time. But what else is on the agenda today? Uh, well, we've got a little uh, historical tidbit to share. It is the uh, first week of November, mm. um, and we all know what that means. <laughs> Election day. Uh, let's see. What? Nope. <laughs> um, Armistice day. Is that November 1st? Probably not. Um, I don't know where you're going with this. I, I didn't either. I'm just uh, trying to think of some history we can share. I mean, the league is just full of it. Full of history. Let's go um, to the trusty WordPress site, to the history tab. History. It's just right there. Oh, it is. Okay, here we go. Um, so let's go to our champions. <clears throat> let's go to our timeline. Um, let's see. How about uh, 1930? Um Young Finn Chalmley wins the title, and for the first time, two generations of the same family can boast a champion. Chalmley, just 20 years old, dedicates the win to his father, who perished in World War I when young Finn was just eight years old. The younger Chalmley himself went on to serve as an Army Signal Corpsman in World War II. So there's one for you. Old-timey champ. Did he come back and play? Did, did uh, young Finn... Chomley? That's what you're calling him? That's how, that's how you pronounce it. Okay, there are about 18 syllables yep. in that name. It's one of those classic. Uh, as written. Um, did he... Now, the league uh, kind of disbanded during World War II. Did he return after the war? You know, what's interesting about that is he did, but it was four years after the war, and he was actually dressed and ready to go in 1949 when they call that the year of God's fog, and that was when a, a fog sort of descended over Durham, yeah. making it impossible to play tennis as well as a lot of other things, but he was dressed and changed and about to play Marvelous Morgan Collier in the first match, who was the defending champ, and that the fog came on, and they said, fellas, absolutely not. We're out of here. 
And that was the end of tennis for that year. He, it, and, and he never played again. Never played again. Yeah. Took it as an insult. He thought it was, a, in fact, became quite paranoid. Yeah, I, he, he put out a written statement. I did not uh, serve as a, what was he, a signalman? Army signal corpsman. <laughs> uh, 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 for four years in northern Italy, uh, <laughs> just to come back here and have a little bit, a little case of the fog uh, keep me from playing marvelous Morgan Collier. And he, I mean, he ended up being sort of a gadfly of the league. He started his own independent newspaper where he would muckrake, as you would. But uh, as it turned out, most of what he came up with was made up, um, such as things about uh, Morton Scarcliffe III keeping an army of frogs, things like that that were just sort of off the wall. He took it too far. He did did take it too far. Um, And then Ivan, you know, I I don't like to tell the story because it's so disturbing. But do you want to tell the story of how he died? Ivan's uh, getting choked up. This is, I, I understand. I, whenever I think of it, I get a little verklempt myself. In in his demented old age, uh, still raging against the league, <clears throat> he took to the skies in a World War II era bomber. <laughs> yeah, I'm crying now. Go ahead, and, Ivan. You're being very brave. And thinking thinking that he could recreate the natural phenomenon of the Great Fog of 1949, he took but a single bag of rosin, remember, he was he was suffering from dementia at that point, and dropped it from a height of 20,000 feet, trying to direct it onto Court 1 at Southern Boundaries Park. Obviously, the rosin dispersed... <laughs> Well before it reached ground level. It didn't get even close, let's be honest. Not even close. He saw it happening. He jumped from the plane to try to gather the rosin. I mean to no avail. Insanely, but you have to say bravely, courageously. Yeah. I mean the interesting thing is he did actually fall uh to his death. Uh landing on court two at Southern Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um uh, uh, court one was hosting a match between Dynamite Dave Eaton and uh, Rabbit Vaughn, and uh, they they didn't even take notice. They didn't even notice it. Um, and just one last fact about that. It's interesting. You hear Ivan tell the story. You may go, how do you know all the details of what he did up in that plane and how he died? <laughs> <laughs> and the fact is he he was uh, had a compulsion to narrate, <laughs> and there was the black box, of course, survived, and he actually... Took the black box out of the plane when he jumped. <laughs> and you can, I mean, it's really disturbing. I don't recommend any, anyone listen to the audio, but it is in the Homestead Museum uh, for anyone who wants to listen in Durham on the audio tour. <laughs> it comes up quite surprisingly right after the tobacco press. Uh, but he's falling out of the plane and you can hear him go, I'm jumping out to try to get the contents of the Rosin bag. And it goes on from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very quickly. Uh, so that's the story. Uh, man, that's a tough one to get through. <laughs> what was his name again? <laughs> oh, yeah, Young Finn Chomley. Boy, but he was a champion, and yeah, they'll never be able to take that from him, despite some, you know, kind of a strange aftermath. So That's right. Uh, I believe there, there's another guy who's buried behind court number three at Southern Boundaries. Uh, we've uncovered that story before, and I don't remember who it was or in what context that came up. <laughs> Is this, uh, you want me to fill in the details? 
No, I mean oh. quite literally. Last year, I, saw, I sent a, a story about a guy who's buried. Oh, gotcha. Under, gotcha. Because they were doing, they were starting the construction oh, at Southern Boundaries. Oh, yes. And as we, uh, we as the league officials, always have to alert uh, City of Durham uh, whenever they're doing any digging around Southern Boundaries to remind them of the presence of of this body. Um, let me just see if I can dig that up from your email. Uh, when did you send it? Was it in the preseason thread, Evan? It was last year. I have no idea. It was. Okay. Well, we're going to have to save that story for a different time. But, um, well, this was a lovely installment. Um, hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, do we have any concluding thoughts or prayers? Uh, hit them hard. Enjoy the cold weather. It's coming on Friday. See you, everybody. Bye. Oh, it's mind-boggling tennis. It's the ring. Oh, my God. <laughs>